understanding that we might walk the plan out that you have for our lives. Holy Spirit, anoint us as we go forth into the days of our week. Help us with what we hear today. To not just hear it, but teach us to apply it with wisdom. To understand how it comes together in our day-to-day life. With the knowledge of walking it out, that we truly might be fruitful in all that we set our hand to. So I thank you for utterance to speak as I ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us today, that we might be equipped to bring the light of the gospel to those whose minds have been blinded by the enemy, that that true light would bring an understanding of the life that you have provided, and many souls will be saved because of the ministry of the saints who go out from this place. We declare it in Jesus' mighty, matchless, and majestic name, amen. 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 Good morning, church. How are you this morning? How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. There's every reason to be awesome and great. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. We are glad that you're here. We honor you today. I was blessed to have the greatest mother in all of the world. And so, uh, you know, uh, I trust all of you will uh, be able to deal with that. But, uh, I, I mean, you know, Mother's Day comes. There's not enough that I can say about my mom. Unfortunately, she's not here to hear it all. But I tell her, uh, and, uh, you know, because of all that, I've become her favorite, and, um, and that's substantiated. You can ask any of my brothers and sisters. I have four, uh, and they will tell you, they will tell everybody, Mark is mom's favorite, and so, um, praise the Lord, it's always good. That's really a godly teaching. We are God's favorite, and uh, <laughs> when you lay claim to that, many good things come your way. And so uh, I am blessed to have had such a tremendous mom. I'm blessed to be around uh, so many great moms, not only in the church, but close. My mother-in-law is awesome. My wife is an awesome mom, and uh, uh, certainly within our, our family. And then I'm just, I'm so impressed, and I hope you are, as I, I watch my daughter, my nieces, um, raising their children. They're awesome women of God. They're raising their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and so you know, it's so, as we talk about foundations, it's just so tremendously foundational uh, what our moms put into us, and how uh, they impart to us the love and the tenderness, the, the nourishing that causes a good foundation to be under our life that we might grow up and, and be productive and serve God and do all that we can do. And, and uh, so we honor our moms today and, and we appreciate you so much and, you know, being here long enough uh, you know, being here almost a generation or a little over a generation, uh, you know, just get, getting to see how you as moms have done such a tremendous job and next generation coming forth and people serving God. It's just an honor uh, to know you. It's an honor to, to have Mother's Day and just tell you we're so love you. We appreciate you. And uh, why don't you all just one more time give a big hand for all the moms and then you can be seated. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Just want to remind you, uh, you know, jump in and and, uh, get onto the app and look at the things that are available to you. Make sure to register for those things. Um, You know, time is going by uh, really, really fast. So, you know, 
Mother's Day didn't come on you by surprise, then good, you're a good planner, uh, but we have just things continually coming up on us, and we've got some tremendous guests who are coming uh, to exhort you and encourage you, and uh, we've got the men's conference coming up, so get that on your calendar, get in there, register, get yourself ready for the things that God has planned for you. We've been talking about uh, foundations and, and really building uh, a life that will last. And it's so important to understand a little bit about that building process that we've been talking about. But Jesus said, if you don't build your life on a good foundation, that there are storms that are going to come. He said, basically, you know, different translations say hurricane type storms are going to come. And if you don't have a good foundation, your life or your house will be blown apart. But a good foundation will cause you to have a life that remains standing even in the midst of tests and trials. And so even as we look at it, uh, you know, today as we've been looking at this year, you know, we came around the end of uh, 2021 and we talked about patience, perseverance, and endurance. And uh, really, I believe God was setting us up, as, as Zane said, really uh, setting us up to come into this series of message and talk about uh, knowing what our foundation is. Again, if you don't have the foundation that we're, we've been laying out to get that foundation firm, if you have that, you know, but maybe there's been some cracks in it, you know, fix your foundation. Uh, if not, so if you've been building and building a life that will last, then this should be a great encouragement to you. If there's some things missing in your building process, then it should be an encouragement to you. If you haven't had a foundation, it should be an encouragement to you because I don't believe that one person in this room, you're here saying, you know what? I kind of want my life to be run down. I, I kind of want my life to be broken apart and, and all that. No, everybody says, you know, I, I want to live life and I want to live it to the full. And if Jesus has provided that life, I want to live it to the full. And that really, uh, you know, what God has done for us as Christians, as believers, is he's the God of all hope. He's given us a hope of a great future. And the enemy's always coming against that hope. He's, he's really the, the peddler of hopelessness and uh, whether you're going to make it or not. And if, and, and if it was different, and if it might have been, and if it could have been, and God says, you know what, I've taken all that in Christ Jesus, and I've wrapped that up, and I've forgiven, and I've washed, and I've cleansed, so that you can have a future and a hope, that you can have a, an understanding and a, a perspective that I can build a life with him that will last and when we talk about our life and we begin to think about that, we're not just trying to build a life where we have some relief or where my fleshly desires are met for a little bit of time so I can feel good about myself. Really, we live in eternity. If you've been born again, you've been given eternal life. And so we're building a life, not just to get through this month or this year. We're not just trying to get through the you know, next political process, as it were, and maybe it'll turn out our way. No, we're building for eternity. We're building a life with him that will last through not only this life, but even into the life to come, to be productive, to rule and reign with him, not only here, but in the future. And so it's so important. We can just go by and say, well, God will do what God wants to do. But really, you know, when we think about it, we're doing what we want to do. And if we could get in on what God wants to do, then we will do what God wants to do as God is doing what he wants to do. And it'll be uh, incredibly powerful. And so we would just want to pick up here on some things uh, tonight. We're going to really finish up Hebrews chapter 6 tonight on eternal judgment. But uh, we've, we've taken with this portion of scriptures, there's, therefore leaving the discussion 
of the elementary or the first principles of Jesus Christ. In other words, these things, if you look at it, Jesus talked about these things, and they are foundational or elementary. He says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance, dead works, and of faith towards God. He goes on to talk about baptisms, resurrection of the dead, laying on of hands, and eternal judgment. And so he says, let us go on or let us add to or let us build upon this foundation. He said, don't keep laying the foundation, never expecting to build something on it. No builder comes in and just lays a foundation without an expectation of what he is going to build. He gets architectural plans. He looks over those plans. He looks over the details of the plans. He reads the specifics of those plans. And when he lays it, uh, gets the foundation in on firm soil, he's planning to build something on it. And depending on the size of that is really uh, depends on the size of the foundation. So we have a pretty substantial foundation here that we have been looking at. And God really wants us to build something that is incredible upon it. We, we saw that definition means uh, for a foundation, something that an edifice or something large will be built on. So you're not building a little cabin of a life. Jesus didn't die for you to live a little cabin of a life that was a one-room place that you and your family could live in, but he wants to build an edifice that not only you can live in, your family can live in, that, that extended family can live in, that you can draw people into this life, and in this life is a place, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. When we draw people into our life and the Holy Spirit is a, 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 a really the, the main member of our life, the, 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 the main resource from where our life flows, and it's big enough to invite people in that they are affected by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And so the type of life that we build that allows the Holy Spirit freely to roam or rule within our life is truly uh, incredible. It's something that God has called us to do and to be. So uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We want to talk about a little bit today about not just the foundation, but building on it. One aspect of building on it. And so here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, for we are God's fellow workers. Somebody say fellow workers. God's fellow workers. So God's not doing this all on his own. God's not making you build a life. He's not forcing you. He's not building your life for you, but we're working together with him, right? The Bible says that the work that he began, he will be faithful to complete it. Will we be faithful to work with him to that completion, right? God is a great finisher as well as a great starter. The problem that God has is we're usually not as good at finishing as we are starting. But if we'll get on with God, we will finish our race with him, not without him. And really, we want to be in that place where we're fellow workers together with God, not thinking he's going to do it all, or we're not trying to do it all in our own strength, but we're working together with God. He's the one with the plan. He's the master architect. Uh, he makes us, as the Apostle Paul will say in a moment, master builders. And so uh, he says, you are God's field. You are God's building According to the grace of God, which was given to me I, as a wise master builder, right? He says, grace is given, and you get to be a wise master builder. God wants to make you not an apprentice, 
of building a life, but a master builder. Amen. Says I was a wise master building, having laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds, for there's no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So he's saying exactly what we've been talking about. He said, listen, I laid the foundation. What was the foundation? The principles of Jesus Christ. Nobody can lay another foundation for this extraordinary eternal life that's been purchased by the blood of Jesus except on the foundation of the principles of Jesus Christ. And so Paul preached those. So anybody who preaches those to a new believer is laying a good foundation. But after the foundation, we go beyond that and we begin to build our life from these foundational principles. So he says, be careful. Whoever builds on it must be careful how they build. He said, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's works will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. If anyone's works, which he has built on, uh, it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's works is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So right here, he's talking about a couple of things. He says, really, he's talking to the church and he's talking about building, but then he gets with them and talking about building their personal life. And so if we understand the church just a little bit, the Bible says that we are living stones building the larger habitation, which is the church. But if we're going to build the church out of precious stones, then we, the individual members of the church, have to build our life with things that are precious that won't burn up when things are tested. The importance of the church, individual members, having that strength of life that as we begin to place those in creates that habitation, that place, that city that's set on a hill that people come into that is a place of corporate anointing, corporate giftings, corporate uh, uh, callings that come together so that there's a great blessing. But at the same time, if we're thinking about that and not thinking about how are we building our life on the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you have gaps in your living stones, right? Somebody said the problem with the living sacrifice or living stones is when they just get up and walk away. Man, if you were building and you came home every, you know, you came back to work every day while you were building, if you were building a, a block house or a brick house, and, and then you got to a certain place and uh, you went home and you're like, man, we're, we're, we're getting somewhere and building this building. And you go home and you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and you come and like there's a big old hole in the wall that you built yesterday. So what happened to, what happened to my building? Oh, the stones, they got up and walked away last night. Like Seriously. So you find some new living stones and you put it in there and you go to bed and you come home and then the west wall, those living stones got up and left. I mean, you'd have a tough time building a building. Aren't you glad Jesus is Jesus and not us? Because he's trying to build a church and every, you know, he, he gets ready for the next day and living stones are just getting up and walking away. Right? And generally they're getting up and walking away or their works have been tested by fire and they're burned up. So he says, listen, we are individually, we possess the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then corporately, there's a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So there's two things going on at the same time as we look at this. 
And so what we want to understand is as we build, we get the blessing in part, and then in the end, because things have gone on throughout our lives, we should be able to. God has a plan that when we stand before him on that day of judgment, we have confidence. John said it like this, that we stand in confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Well, how can we say that? Because we built our life after the pattern of him. Come on. How do we have confidence in the day of judgment? Because as he is, so are we in this world. How do we have confidence that as he is, so are we in this world? Because we built ourselves after a blueprint or an example that was set before us that was him. And as we build, we're being changed from the person we used to be under sin. And now we are being transformed or changed in the life that we're building to become like him. And so if we're going to do that, we have to use materials in building that are like him. We have to draw them from his word. And as we build, the Bible says that things will be revealed by fire. And so many times there's people who are really going great. They're doing uh, tremendous things for God. And then something happens and their life is just destroyed. Their confidence, their faith is just, it seems to go up in smoke literally because of things that have happened. And God said, there's going to be things that come into your life. God never said that when you you become a Christian, nothing will ever happen to you, right? A lot of people think if I have faith in God, nothing's ever gonna happen. Au contraire. Why do we develop faith in God? Because things are going to happen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's a good word. It's a true word. You're like, man, I want an encouragement today. I didn't want to know bad things are going to happen. Well, you can't be encouraged in overcoming bad things if you think they're never going to happen. There is an enemy out there who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to create turbulent times in your life, troublesome times. He wants to dissuade you and control your life through circumstances that take place. And God said it is a man or a woman of faith that will stand and not let circumstances or situations dictate to them how their life is going to be, but they'll stand above the circumstance and situations and speak the word of God to those things and bring those things from that place where it's always tormenting and and, and drawing your attention and your focus and brings them down. Those thoughts, those imaginations that are created from circumstances and situations, those thoughts that if God was, then why? And takes them and throws them down and says, since God is, then you will not consume my mind and my heart and my attention. And we cast those down violently and we allow our mind to be free to think what God has said about us and what he's forming by his spirit on the inside of us. And so Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Anybody ever thought, why is this happening to me? Nobody. All right, well, we have a whole group of really faith people here. You guys are way better than the first service, like almost all of them are like, oh man, I don't, I've had times when I don't know why this is happening to me. 
And so, drive safe. I guess we don't need even to go into this. Come on, we get to that place when we haven't built with the precious stones. We haven't really built with solid marble and, and gold and the things that he's talking about. He's not just talking about jewelry. He's talking about they went in, they dug into the dirt, they, they invested time to carve out marble and precious stones to build their buildings. We, we see buildings over uh, in the Middle East and in Europe that are thousands of years old. We see buildings down the street that are falling apart after 10 years. It's how they were built, what they were built with. And he says, when they, they were going in and they would do, they would build it, and then they would put ornaments of, of gold and silver. He said they just built, built with the most precious and strength of materials. And that's what he's relating to us is that you're going to have to dig deep and you're going to have to invest some in building this life so that it's something that's precious, it's something that will stand when fiery trials come. Instead of building something with cheaper materials in your life, hoping I can get this done fast and nothing will happen right y'all know the story of the three little pigs they all wanted to get their house done except for the smart one who built it out of bricks right but they didn't remain and they all what did they all do the ones who built their life out of straw and out of sticks when when the big bad wolf blew their house down where did they run to they ran to the brick house the one that was remaining standing and really, it's a type and a shadow that people are building their lives, and the enemy is coming and, and knocking over their life, making destruction of their life. But if they don't see a place that's built firm and established, they won't know where to run to. But if we, the body of Christ, are built firmly on the foundation of what Jesus has taught us, and we build in these principles, people will be able to come to our life and realize who Jesus is, and we'll give them a head start, and then they will build their own life Amen. on him. We don't want our life blown down. But he says right here, don't think it's strange that the enemy would come and try to torture life with a fiery trial and trouble. Don't think it's strange and don't even be worried about it. Peter even says, you know, don't think it's strange. Just rejoice. All these guys, they keep saying, man, in trouble I rejoiced. In fiery trials we just rejoice. And we're sitting here going, well, they must not know my problems. Well, no, they had greater problems. I mean, when they made Jesus the Lord of their life, their family abandoned them. When they stood up and preached, they took them outside of the city and they stoned them or they imprisoned them. And they said, isn't this fun? We count it all joy. Why? Because it's testing whether we believe what we say we believe or not. And we're here to tell you world and, and, and Roman soldiers and devil, we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so you can't take that away from us. You can't destroy the life that we're building because it's full of God. And they saw signs and they saw wonders and they saw miracles because they weren't afraid of what might happen when a fiery trial came. And so Peter, who had gone through the fiery trial, he had been tempted. And Jesus said, listen, the devil's going to come to shake you up and knock this thing down that we've tried to build. But I pray that your faith won't fail you. And he said, and it won't. You'll be tempted. You'll back off. You'll deny me. But I'm putting a word in your heart that when that rooster crows, you'll know that I knew what was going on, and you'll know that I was Lord and Savior, and you'll bow and repent because I placed a word in your heart. Amen. And your faith will return to you. And when it does, you encourage the brethren. See, the enemy's coming because he knows that if you and I stand... When fiery trials come and we built well, 
It's not that we won't feel the heat. It's not that some things around us won't burn up. But as long as we keep the faith and we know that our life is built strong, we will go out and we will tell others about Jesus Christ and what he's done for our life. And many people will be born again. Come on, he said, Peter, I'm going to build my church on the revelation that you have. You're going to be tempted, and the enemy's going to try to stop it, but he won't be able to. And when you're done, we're going to build this thing called a church on the revelation that you stand on. And he said, there's people that you don't even know right now who are waiting as you build your life to come in contact with you right after a fiery trial and say, listen, my house burned down. My life is a mess And yours is still standing. I need you to help me. I mean, we're in that season right now. Great troubles coming upon the world. Great fiery trials are happening in people's lives. Unexpected things are happening. And a trial comes and a test comes to our life so that we know we're not imagining. You know, as Zane said, we can be a a hearer of the word and think, man, I know all that. I know all that. Well, how do you know if you know it or not? Something happens, right? Something happens. You can be the greatest believer in the healing power of God as long as sickness isn't attacking your body. But once sickness and pain attacks your body, then you start to decide, this is of the devil. This is not mine. The enemy is trying. He's coming against my faith, but he can't do it. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus laid over that whipping post and he bore stripes on his back. And by those stripes, I am healed. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Amen. He is the Lord that heals me. Or we can just go the opposite direction and believe the report of everybody else and say, I'm doomed and I'm in trouble. So why would God let that happen? The enemy's doing it. God has given us his word. He's given us his spirit to teach us of his word. He's given us the resources to build a life that when the enemy comes and bangs up against your your house, he sets fire to it. It doesn't burn because it's not made of cheap temporal materials, but it's built of the living word of God and your faith in that word. All right, praise the Lord. You all stay with me. Amen. All right, half of you. All right. Message Bible, says like, uh, the message Bible says it like this. He says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. He said, listen, there's something, there's some stuff that just needs to be refined. But when it's refined, you're going to find some things out. So Peter said this in chapter 1, verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. He says that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Come on, he says that you're, you're, the, genuine, the way that you know that your faith is genuine is it's put to the test. It's put to the test. And so sometimes we're like, you know what? I have part genuine faith, and then part of it kind of got burned up in that last fiery trial. Well, thank God 
we can still go back and really begin to build our faith and build on that foundation. Where something's burned up, we got to come back to the foundation and build on that. Amen. Turn over to your Bibles in, uh, to 2 Peter chapter 1. So here we're going to share just a little bit about a, a, a part of a building process. One area that we build upon, uh, faith in God. You know, there's that repentance from dead works to faith in God. As we grow in our faith in what Jesus has done for us, he says, really, there's, we build upon that. We go, draw to a greater level of maturity as we build upon it. So here in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It says right here, his divine power has given to us everything that we need. He's given us every resource that we need to build a life, really, of godliness, a life of godlikeness. He's given us everything that we need. We have all the building resources. We have all the building materials that we need, and we access those through the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him. This word knowledge is epignosis. It's experiential knowledge of him. And so when we say that word, we're like, ooh, okay, experiential knowledge of him. But you can think experiential knowledge and you just have head knowledge. You can't actually have experiential knowledge of him unless you are obeying his word. And as you obey his word, you know it and obey it and participate. You are experiencing walking with him and watching his grace come in contact with you as you obey the word and empower you to do what he has given you to do. And when you do that, you're like, wow, this is something that I thought was going to be tough. It was going to be hard, but his grace came and now I'm experiencing relationship with him. Not just in coming and saying, Whoo, I worship you, but in day-to-day life, walking with him, obeying him, running into obstacles, running into situations that are hard for me, that the enemy is making difficult, but I am living with him and overcoming because I'm experiencing his grace and his power personally. He's called us by his own glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these we might partake of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's just telling us, he's saying, listen, I made promises that in Christ Jesus they all would be wrapped into one so that you no longer are a partaker of the sin nature that came through Adam, but now you are partakers of the very life and nature of God that comes through the obedience of Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. So when you make that choice, God made the decision to promise you everything, to bring Jesus, that as we accept him, we get to partake in everything that has to do with his nature. And so he says, for this very reason, if you want to escape the corruption that's in the world, anybody seen any corruption in the world recently? He said, listen, this corruption will overtake you. It'll, it'll swirl, swirl around your mind. It'll cause you to be troubled, fearful, all kinds of stuff where there's corruption and people are desirous of their own things and all that. He says, but I've made a way for you to escape that corruption, stand separate from it, right? Because it's decaying, but your life is eternal. If you get caught in that corruption, it's just a decay. 
And so he says, we're not to be caught in that. And so he says, for this very reason, because of everything that pertains to life and godliness, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he's made you to partake of the divine nature, because he's desired for you to build a life that is a habitation for the Holy Spirit of God, all kinds of reasons to build this great life. He says, add to your faith, add to your faith virtue. And he says, give diligence. Don't be casual about it. Start focusing on building on this foundation. He says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. This word add is a a Greek word, epikoriago. Epikoriago. What it means to is add to the chorus. Add to the chorus. So in in, in really uh, Greek theater, they would start to add and they would put components in, right? So, you know, we could put it like this. We have the worship team up here, but we need one of you to step up into your place and be a guitar player. We need to add to the worship team to make it complete. So what they would say is they had their, their, their basic uh, for the chorus going, but they had to, in order to have a full chorus, they had to add to the chorus. So he's saying, you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have faith in new life, but in order to have this fullness of life and this fullness of God or knowledge of God to add to, to uh, have everything that pertains to life and godliness, you're going to have to start adding to this initial faith, add to the chorus, fill in the voices missing, right? Having a full life, you have to add to this virtue, virtue. So the first thing when you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin and made you righteous, he said the first thing you want to add to that foundation, the first thing that you want to build on that foundation of faith towards God is virtue. That word virtue means moral excellence. Moral excellence. Now listen, we have a culture that has worked in generations to teach our young people there is no right and there is no wrong. We will tell you what's right and wrong, and really, who is to tell you what's right and wrong? Whatever you feel like is right, which is just creating a huge problem, right? And so the enemy has been at work to break down the knowledge of right and wrong so we do not have a moral standard in our culture. And what moral standard we had is falling apart, And so Paul had to come and teach the church, you know, as they were caught in sexual immorality. And he says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Why would you give it over to immorality? He said, when you do, you sin against your own body. The life that you're developing, this habitation for God, he said, that that immorality is coming against it. Right? Right? In our thinking, in our finances, in in our emotions, there's a place where we know what's right and wrong, and it's a moral standard. And what we have to understand is power comes from purity. There's power in purity. So God sends out a call. You know, he tells Timothy as a pastor, send out a call. That in every house, there's vessels of wood and clay. There's vessels of gold and silver. 
He said, so understand that the vessels of clay and of wood, they serve ordinary or they take, they're the ones that hold the trash to take out the trash. But the gold and silver are the ones that the meals and the, 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 that are served to those who are really prepared and the, the, those who are worthy. And so he says, in every house, so he says, you purify yourself so that you can be vessels of gold ready to be used or ready to cooperate with the master to take this power and this life of the Holy Spirit somewhere else. He said the power or the serving of the power and the revelation of Jesus comes off of a pure platter. Now, I know people are like, oh, you're talking about works. I thought, that, I thought we were saved. You were saved. You didn't have to do that. He said, but if you're going to build a habitation, you're going to have to say that there is a moral standard. Why does there have to be a moral standard? Because you are trapped under sin and immorality. And he delivered you not to come into sin and immorality, not to live in sin and immorality, but to set you free. So you could live in righteousness with high moral standard. Are you all with me? And so it really begins with this, and to understand there's great power and purity. We talk about signs and wonders and miracles, and God wants to really release through the church so much manifestation of his spirit. And so Jesus in Mark chapter 5, I believe it's verse 30, maybe you know the story. There's a woman with the issue of blood. She'd suffered uh, many years, suffered many things of many physicians. She didn't get better. She grew worse. But she said within herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. So when Jesus passed by, she went out into the streets. She pressed through the crowd, and she touched the hem of his garment. And while Jesus is walking with people all around him, he stops, and he says, who touched me? And his disciples said, what do you mean, who touched you? There's a multitude around you. And he said, somebody touched me. How do you know that? Because virtue went out of me. Virtue went out of me. So that word is a different Greek word than was used there in, in uh, 2 Peter. 2 Peter, it meant moral excellence. Here the word was dynamus. It's where we get our, our word uh, uh, dy- dynamite from. And so that word means, Jesus said, a miracle working power flowed out of me when somebody touched the hem of my garment. But that word also means this, this dynamis also means this, moral power. Moral power. So he's saying the power that God gives you to live morally also opens up dynamic, miracle working power. Sometimes we think, I just need power to overcome. It's in a decision to ask and to receive from God the power of the Holy Spirit to live morally right. So now let's watch the building process that he's talking about. So you have faith in God. You believe that you are washed from your sin. You don't want to go back to your sin, so you have to say, I need to live morally right. Well, what is morally right? Who's to determine what is morally right? I mean, who's to say that I'm more uh, wrong than you are? God. So he says, add to your virtue or your decision to be morally right, add to that knowledge. Knowledge. That word there isn't the experiential knowledge. It's a Greek word gnosis, which means to gain knowledge of, to study. So he says, if you want to live morally right and you don't know what's right and wrong, 
Get into God's word, and God will tell you what is right and what is wrong. And his word remains forever, and it transcends generations, and if it was wrong when he said it, it's wrong today, and it will be wrong forever. And if it's right when he wrote it, it's right today, and it will be right forever. Yeah, but I don't like it. I I don't like the way that it makes me feel to say that's wrong. I would rather do that. But that's how we're not building a stable life. When the enemy comes in, he starts a fire in our life. He wants to burn that down. He wants to bring storms and and knowing and how we relate to one another and how we relate what is right and what is wrong and, and understanding by studying the word, what are the consequences of doing what's wrong? What are the benefits of doing what's right? We need to gain that knowledge. Because as we go through life, there's all kinds of things that are breaking marriage relationships. They're breaking relationships in the church. They're destroying people's lives, all based on, in a moment's time, I'm going to make a decision that I want to make that's right for me right now, but the consequence of it is destructive. And people end up at a place and they say, I don't even know how I ended up here. I don't even know why this is happening. And if we traced it back, it was to a decision that we made that was contrary to what God said was right. She said, I'm, I'm helping you build something in your life, but you start with faith in God. Knowing that he's cleansed you from your sin, you decide I'm living by a totally different moral standard. How do I know what that standard is? Is because I'm gaining knowledge of God's word. He said, now when you gain a knowledge of God's word and you know what's right and wrong and wrong and right, the enemy's still out there and he's still gonna come and tempt you. And so you add to the knowledge of what's right and wrong, self-control. Everybody say with me, self-control. Say it again, self-control. Come on, I know what's right to do, but I'm not going to do it. The Bible says when we know what is right to do and we don't do it, it's sin. Come on, but we have a high moral standard. So when we do that, we come back and we repent, but God says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, letting him reign in your life, is self-control. Why is he doing that? Because once we know we're serving God, we know what he's done. We set a high moral standard. We know what that standard is by the word of God. And now the enemy comes, and I am able to say no to what I could not say no to in the past. Amen. Self-control. And he says, on top of that, once you learn what is right and wrong and you're going to live a high moral life because that's what Jesus paid for you to live, free from sin, and you know what's right and wrong, and now you're going to take initiative to say no, he said, the devil's going to keep coming. We're all like, I said no yesterday. I said no last month. But it was the month after that that really got me. But he said, no, you add to that perseverance. The strength to continue to say yes to what is right and no to what is wrong, no matter what the enemy is trying to pull out of your flesh, I have self-control and I have it through every situation and every circumstance. Some people are doing really well till the fire starts and then they're like, I might as well just give up and go ahead and give in to the devil. But he says, no, the heat's there, he's doing that. Just stay, stay with it. The fire will go down. And what's remaining now is your pure faith, your genuine faith. The splendor and the glory of God is being revealed in your life. As you stay with it, you persevere. And perseverance now, through this process, is producing godliness. 
In other words, you start with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, sin broken. You set a high moral standard. You know what that is because you're following the word of God. Your self-control keeps you in obedience to that over and over, no matter what the situation or circumstance. And then I look in the mirror and say, wow, I don't look like I used to under sin. I look a lot more like Jesus right now. And he says, we're growing to that place that we have boldness in the day of judgment. That day when fire is going to try our works and all that stuff. And we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Because we've gone through the building process to build a habitation that looks just like him. We've used the materials that he used to look just like him. Now there's a godliness. When we realize I'm a lot more God, like God than I was like God when I was under sin. It's developing, and now I'm more like God. And now there's something stirring on the inside of me. It's called brotherly love. And I can't help but love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Even though they're not there yet, they make mistakes. Some of them don't know what they're doing. Some of them fall into sin. I can't help but love them. It is the distinguishing mark as us as believers. They will know that we are his disciples because we love one another. And all of a sudden we find ourselves loving one another and it goes outside of these four walls and we start loving people who are not lovely. Brotherly kindness, brotherly love then produces love. We first love our brothers and sisters, and then we start loving the lost. We start loving the hurting. We start loving the distressed. We start loving the afflicted. We start loving the people out there who need what God has, and we deliver it by the love of God. Come on, he say, you're building a life here. You're putting in materials on faith, building on the foundation of faith that are building a life that will express my love to humanity. But it starts with knowing that he died for you, having a high moral standard, knowing what that standard is, not by our own standard, but by the word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to infuse us with self-control, to say yes to what is right, no to what is wrong, endure through that process until we look and say, man, it's not a tough thing anymore because I'm more like him than I've ever been in my life. Well, how do you know? Because I have a moral standard. Oh yeah, and I just love the brethren. They can't get me offended. No matter how righteous they're supposed to be, and they don't do it, I love them. Why? Because they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. How can you get outside to a world who's lost and dying? You can't love brothers and sisters in Christ. See, God knew that, and he said, now there's a process. And so he goes on to say this. He says, if these things are yours and abound, Not just, hey, I got that. He says, these things are yours, and you've developed them to their abounding in your life. You'll neither be barren or unfruitful in the experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. What did he say? He said, everything that you need for life and godliness is accessed through the knowledge of him. Now he says, you'll neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of him. What's in between? The thing that bridges the gap. Yeah, I can't access everything that pertains to life and godliness because I'm not sure I really know him. He says, put these things in your life, build these things into your life, and you will know him. You won't be fruit barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of him. He said, those who lack these things, those who have been not diligent to put these things in their life, he said, they will be short-sighted, 
short-sighted even unto blindness, forgetting that they were cleansed from their past sin. What does that mean? The sin of your past continues to dominate you. He said, if we just think, I don't need to do all this stuff, your old sin will continue to creep up and dominate areas of your life. He said, when we have these things, we will never stumble. Somebody say, never stumble. Come on, say it again. Never stumble. Come on, I believe I'm amongst the people who aren't satisfied with this stumbling through life, making mistakes, going back the old sin over and over and over again. God, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep doing this? Why? I, I so want to stop, but it seems like nobody can help me, even though I want to stop. He says, there's a lot of people around to help you, but you're really going to have to be diligent to add to your faith. Your faith is that area of foundation, but you have to go past the foundation to begin to build this amazing edifice, this temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So that as you house the Holy Spirit of God in all purity, He empowers you to live like you've never lived before. He's empowered you to live a life like Jesus himself. And he's opened up an entrance, the Bible says. He says, and so an entrance will be supplied to you into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that sounds like heaven. Well, yeah, you'll get to heaven. But the kingdom of God is where the king rules. The kingdom of God is amongst us right now. What that means is where he has dominion, where success and, and, and victory comes. He says, when I put these things into my life and I know who I'm relying upon and I know who I'm walking with every single day and I'm not short-sighted and my sin doesn't come and capture me, I've stepped into the place where he has dominion. And my victory and my triumph is assured. Not that things won't come, but I'll come out the other side because an entrance has been made for me abundantly into the place where he rules and reigns in my heart and in my life. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. I believe with all of my heart that this is a time that you've created for us. It's an important time for your church. Not to be lazy or wait till the next thing that comes, but to be diligent to lay a foundation and build the life that you purchased for us. That truly as you reveal to us your will that we might walk in it empowered by the Holy Spirit. Understanding the difference between right and wrong. I pray right now that your love has been shed abroad in each and every individual's heart by the Holy Spirit of God. If they're born again, that love is shed abroad in their heart that it abounds yet more and more in all knowledge and all discernment. That through relationship with you and walking with you every single day, there's a greater knowledge of what's pleasing to you and what's not, what's right and what's wrong. And that we will choose what is pleasing to you and we will choose what is right as we walk with you, co-laboring together to build this habitation, to make our life sturdy as a precious living stone that then fits into this building and habitation called the church as an individual member. And this is the day of the church. This is the time for us to arise and to shine. It's a dispensation of the Holy Spirit where we as the church are a place where the Holy Spirit flows through and flows out of to a lost and a dying world. Those who are in darkness, those who don't know you, that we bring the light and the manifestation 
of who you are and what you've done for them in your mercy and your love and your goodness. Strengthen each one here today, I pray, that we would rise as the church, that we wouldn't see this as a drudgery and a hard work, but we would see and anticipate the glory of knowing you in such a way that there's such confidence in our life. We're not going back with regret and shame and guilt from mistakes, but we are rising with an anticipation and a hope of seeing the glory of God manifest in your splendor in our day. Though the enemy comes, we see overcoming life. I thank you for it. Holy Spirit, meet each and every one where they're at. Everyone is at a different place of growth and building their life, strengthening their life. Thank you that you are the helper. You help us to see, you help us to know, you help us to build. That we truly might bless, benefit, and bring light to those who don't yet know you. That your church will grow and increase with people being born again like we've never seen before. A great harvest coming in, harvest of souls. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say this as we go? What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.